Thank you all. God bless you. You may be seated. I hope you have your Bibles this morning and open them, if you will, to the book of 1 John. Uh, That little tiny book is nestled in the Bible near the end of the New Testament canon, not very far uh, previous to the book of the Revelation. But I hope that you'll follow along in your book, in your Bible, uh, as we read in a few moments. Before we read, in a moment we're going to have prayer. But as we look at 1 John this morning, and Coach, uh, you practically preached my sermon this morning. (laughs) No, seriously, and I loved it. I thought, man, how the Holy Spirit works. You just perfectly set that up for me today, and I appreciate that very much. But uh, the books of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, all, of course, are a part of the New Testament canon, the Scriptures, but all of them are written to believers, There's no part of 1 John or 2 John or 3 John that were written exclusively to the lost community, to those who are apart from Christ. Uh, John wrote at the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writing to believers, writing to those who are the church, who are in the kingdom of God. Those who are solidly believers in Jesus Christ, we know it, we have the blessed assurance that we are His, that we belong to Him, that He lives in us and He is working in and through us. So as we read the Scriptures in a few moments, I want you to be encouraged, I want you to be strengthened, but at the same time, I want you to be reminded of some things that God tells all of us who are believers in Jesus Christ that is a must for us to exhibit in and through our lives. And of course, that's the love that that Coach talked about a few moments ago. There is nothing like the love of God. There's nothing that supersedes the love of God, especially in the life of the believer. For we cannot love uh, lest we understand he loved us first and gave himself for us, and we have trusted what he did on the cross when he shed his blood for us, and we are saved and born again. So, Daryl, that's what makes it special, is to know that God loves us so much, he gave his life, and yet, because of that love, Miss Betty, we can love others as well. So, remember that the message today is for and to the church, but all the while, If you're in this room today and there's never been a time in your life when you said, God, you're right, I'm wrong, I need a Savior, I realize that I'm a sinner and I need to be be saved to go to heaven when I die, I want you to know that today is the most blessed time you'll ever have to say yes to Jesus and invite Him into your heart and into your life to be your personal Lord and Savior. And I'm going to say this, I say it often and I'll never quit saying it. My friends, it is a personal relationship. It's between just you and the Lord. It's not between you and your spouse and the Lord or you and your family and the Lord. It's between you and the Lord himself. So that makes it personal just for you. So if you've never had entered into that personal relationship, I want to invite you to do that today, knowing that God loves you so much that he died for you on the cross many, many years ago and shed his blood that your sins could be blotted out. But as we read in just a moment, believers, again, let's be encouraged. Let's draw strength from the word. 
but let's be reminded of what God intends for us to do as believers in behalf of others. Let's pray together. Will you join me? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the fact that it's infallible. It's inerrant. It is your word. And I ask you, Father, in the name of Jesus today to speak to our hearts and our lives, to strengthen us, to encourage us, but yet, Father, to remind us of what you've said and what you expect of all of us. Now, Lord, we say we love you, and we pray that by our actions we will prove that we love you. So, Lord, you have your way in the hearts and lives of every person here today. I need you. I can't do what you've asked me to do without you, Holy Spirit, directing and speaking to me and through me. So I ask you for a fresh anointing during this hour that that may happen and the Word of God will find its lodging place in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives, and that we will be different when we leave because of Christ. We praise you in advance for all that you're going to do in us and through us, and we love you and we make our prayer in Jesus' name, and we thank you, sir. And all of God's people said, Amen. Well, it's exciting to read what God is saying to the believers. So we'll begin reading in verse number 11 of chapter 3 of 1 John. I'll give you just a second to turn one page. Dennis has done turn 14, but he'll find it. He only has problems because there's no pictures. But it'll, it'll come around soon enough, all right? 1 John chapter 3, let's begin, pick up in verse number 11. John says, for this is the message that you've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, the devil, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides, lives, is at home in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, because he, Jesus, laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need, and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Personally, and I don't know about you, but in our society today, I believe that love is an overused word. I think that love oftentimes, Mama Sybil, is an abused word because of the way that people choose to use it. Now, oftentimes when you come in the church building, if if I know you and you've been around a while, especially if you're a couple, I will often look at one or the other of you and say, did your spouse tell you they love you today? I love doing that because of the surprise looks that I get in the beginning. But some of you are really gaining ground. Some of you have begun to share with your spouse that you love them before you get to church. If you don't make it before you enter the building, as I start to approach you, you look at your spouse, I love you, you know, and so that you kind of, because you know I'm going to ask. But it's important that we express 
our love for our spouses, for our families, and all of that. But today, God wants to remind us of uh, some ways that we should express our love to Him and to bring glory and honor to Him uh, through the expression of the love that we have because He loves us. Again, it's probably even an overused word in a lot of ways. Many of you would say today, well, I love my dog. How many of you love your dog? That's what I thought. Some of these people in our church love their dog more than they do their spouse. They tell the pet more often than their spouse of their love for them. They say, I, I, yeah, I see you pointing fingers back there. You say, I love my dog. You say, uh, well, I love cheesecake. That's obvious to me. I love cheesecake if it don't have strawberries on it. But I love uh, New York style cheesecake. We say, well, I love the bulldogs. Go dogs. I love the tigers. Uh, I love uh, the beach. I love whatever. And you ladies, I love a particular kind of soap. We just love everything, we say. So when we use the word love like that, oftentimes we abuse it because it's not proper to speak of love in the fashion that we use uh, the word. I picked up uh, the newspaper, not from around here on the, online this week, and was reading uh, a letter to the editor. And some lady had written a letter to a boyfriend. Uh, this really happened. And I printed this down and tacked it in here uh, into my Bible because I want you to hear this. Uh, talking about love and society being overused, underused, and oftentimes abused. She wrote this, Dearest Benjamin, no words can ever express the great unhappiness and overwhelming sadness I've felt since breaking our engagement. Please say that you'll take me back. No one could ever take your place in my heart. So please forgive me. I love you. I love you. I love you. Yours forever, Betty. P.S. And congratulations on winning the state lottery. <laughs> so the moment the postscript was read then everybody knows that the love that she was expressing to her ex-boyfriend was not the kind of love that she should have been expressing to him. Now, as you well know, here in the villages, that kind of love is expressed a lot around here because there's a lot of available women in the villages. And any time a gentleman's spouse dies, I mean... You know, it's not cold till the casserole line forms at the front door and, and all of a sudden it's, I love you, I love you. But let's move quickly back uh, to the scriptures and understand the purity and the power and the purposefulness of the love of God to be expressed through you, Dick, and through me uh, to other people that we know. I believe that love is often, especially in our society, thought of as a sentimental feeling. It's an expression of sentiment. I love you. When I tell you as a congregation in mass, I love you, it is not an expression of sentimentality. I love you in the Lord Jesus with all of my heart, no matter who you are, no matter where you're from. When I tell you personally, I love you, I want you to know and to feel, to sense, coach, that there is a love coming from me for you 
that is inexpressible. I do not have the power to do that, but for Jesus Christ. With God in me that gives me the privilege and the ability to express love to you the way I do love you. I do love every one of you. But love is much more than a sentimental feeling. It is much more than a shallow emotion. It runs much deeper than that, Jerry. So what can we say about love that Coach didn't say? He said it all in brief summary. In fact, he was a lot more brief, Wayne, than I'm going to be. But I want to, if you will, allow me just for a few minutes to tie that in a knot and give you today uh, four, I need four, not three, but I want to share with you this morning four principles concerning the love of God that are applicable to your life and to my life. So as we begin this this morning, first of all, we have to understand that biblical love, biblical love always seeks the good of others. Biblical love is never a selfish love. Biblical love is never the kind that would say to Jane, Jane, I love you because Jane can do something for me. Jane could give me something that I want or desire. Or Jane could perhaps put me on a pedestal or something. She don't do that, I promise you. But understand, that kind of love isn't the kind of love that is expressed in the Scriptures. That isn't biblical love. It's not just emotional either. All of this has to go away. Biblical love always seeks the good and the betterment of other people. It always builds up the others. It always blesses the others. It always meets need in the lives of others. It always encourages others. It always strengthens others. That is real, genuine, biblical love. The, the real definition of love is this. Listen, biblical love is a self-sacrificing, caring commitment that shows itself in seeking the highest good of the person to whom the love is expressed. Now, I'm going to read that again. This is a, the latest definition of real love, biblical love. It is a self-sacrificing caring commitment that reveals itself in seeking the highest good of the person to whom the love is being expressed. Biblical love is a commitment. When we say we love, we commit to them. What are we committing? We're committing our time, our ability. We're committing to help them, to meet their needs. Uh, We're committing to encourage them. We're committing to pray for them. We're committing to care about them. Uh, We're committing what we have uh, to them when we express biblical love to someone else. But does every believer do that? No. More often than not, as believers, our expression of love is emotional or it's an expression of sentimentality rather than true biblical love. But true biblical love involves delight. Now, I tried to find another word that would express that, and I couldn't. But delight. Now, I didn't say joy. Delight leads to joy. But I didn't say joy. I said delight. When you delight in someone, you're thrilled about them. You're thrilled for them. You're happy for them, and because you 
are thrilled with them and care about them. You want whatever is best for them, not just in heaven, but in this life as well. And if certainly if they have a need, you have a desire to automatically meet that need if you can. Now, the deeds that we do and always love expresses itself in actions or deeds. And the deeds that we do in behalf of others should always be self-sacrificing, self-giving kind of love. And that's seen supremely in the death of Jesus on the cross, isn't it? Because he gave his life sacrificed himself so that all of us could have life, so that all of us in this room who know Jesus personally uh, could be in the relationship with God that we're in because of what he did on the cross. There is no greater example of love, biblical love, than what Jesus did. So biblical love always desires and seeks the good of others. That's required of us. It's not only a commitment, it is a command. We find that here. Christian love fulfills the command of Jesus. Now, did you hear what I said? I said command. We would all agree that the Bible is the Word of God. We agree on that. We agree that God cannot lie. Now, when we read the books of 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, as many others... And we understand that God is expressly, expressly speaking to us as believers. Then we understand, Norman, that what Christ is saying to us through uh, the pastor, Apostle John, is absolutely not only just truth, but it is a command from God for all of us who are believers in Jesus Christ. Now, listen to what he said. And let me share this. Let me preface it with this. The command to love others in the family, other believers, God's command to that comes directly from the lips of Jesus himself. If you were to look it up over in the book of John, the fourth gospel, you would find that the letters are absolutely red. Now listen to what he says. Jesus speaking. A new command I give you. Did you hear that word? A new command I give to all of you who are believers in Jesus Christ. Love one another. That's the new command. His command to us to love one another. Then he goes on. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. He said must. That is an absolute. We have to love other people, he said, who are in the faith. He said, you must love one another. And by this, by the fact that we love other people, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus took time out of his schedule to sit down with his disciples and say, look, you must love one another. You must love each other. Jesus said that. He is saying to you and to me today, up to date, right now, you must love one another. He's saying to all believers, you've got to love the family. Now, how many of you uh, came from families and love was expressed often in your family? Some of you had that. How many of you didn't have that expressed so much? Now, Linda uh, would raise her hand on the latter part. Her mom and dad did not every day... Uh, when they saw them say, honey, I love you. Uh, she's the baby of the 10. Not they, they loved every one of them. Oh, they loved them dearly, but they didn't go around saying, I love you. 
but they knew they were loved. They might come along and smack them on the back as they walked by. Love you, babe. That was about the extent of it. But by the deeds they performed, by their expressions in other ways, they knew, every one of them, that they were loved. On the other hand, my family were constantly, Dennis, telling each other we loved each other. I mean, I was a grown man and still kissing my dad and kissing my mother when I entered their presence and tell them, I love you. I love you, mom. I love you, dad. The very last time I walked into my dad's living room, when I walked into what bedroom, I walked into that bedroom and the first thing I did was lean over and kiss my dad and say, I love you, dad. That was not just an emotion. It wasn't an expression of sentimentality. It wasn't an expression because I knew he was dying. It wasn't unusual for us to express our love for one another. God is telling us, as believers, He said, you must not just express, but you must love the family. You've got to love all of them, not just some of them, but you've got to love them all, and that will be expressed in your deeds. The early believers fulfilled the command of Jesus. The members of the early church loved God, and they showed that by the deeds they did uh, for the good of every person else. The absence of love in the life of a believer. Are you listening if you are? Say amen. amen. The absence of genuine love in your life, if you're a believer, is inconsistent with the command of Jesus. Because he said, if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, if you're born again, you will indeed love the family. But he said, you must love the family, which brings us to point number three. A believer's love provides assurance of salvation. A lot of people, a lot of people who are members of the church, uh, not just here, but other places, they'll see me out and they'll stop me or speak to me and say, Preacher, you know, I, I, I've done all these things that you guys talk about. Uh, I've invited Jesus to be my Savior and all this. But how in the world can I know I'm saved? How is it I can know that I have, or I can have full assurance that when I breathe my last here, I'm going to breathe my next in the presence of the Lord Jesus. Well, the Bible teaches us we can know. Now, that sermon in its entirety is for another time. But in part, now listen, one of the most important things or points of assurance for you and for me is the fact that you love the family, that you love all other believers. He went so far as to say that. John continued. He said, we know that we have passed from death to life. Now, the death is not physical death, okay? Put that out. He said, we know we have passed from uh, being away from God, apart from God, lost without Christ. He said, we know that we've passed from there uh, to life, to life everlasting, life eternal, life in Christ, because, here's the connection, he said, we know, you and I can know, that we've passed from hell, from death, separation from God, to life everlasting, because we love the brethren. Because we love the other believers. No matter how it's expressed, he said, you must do it. And because you do that, because Christ is loving others 
through you, then you can have assurance that you are in Christ, that He is uh, your Savior. Your Savior. With John here, there are no shades of gray. There's no in-between. Everything with him is black and white. You're either a believer or you're a non-believer. Or you're a child of the devil or you're a child of the Most High God. One of the evidences of a genuine, true Christian believer is the fact that they love the family, that they love other Christians everywhere. But how do I really know, preacher, what love is? Well, this is expressed in point number four. Got through that a whole lot quicker than you thought, didn't you? Point number four. Jesus' love is illustrated and demonstrated, Jack, by his sacrifice. By his sacrifice. When Jesus died on the cross... The Bible says that there, we just read it, he laid down his life uh, for all of us. Now, when he did that, God is revealing to us the supreme example of real, true, biblical love. Here's what the Bible said. John said, this is how we know what love is. All right, listen, 1 John 3, 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down His life for us. Now, every one of us can quote John 3.16, can't we? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believed Him, what? Would not perish or die, but have everlasting life. But when we look at 1 John 3.16... It's restated again, just with a few different words. Because there he says, this is how we know what love really is, that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. He sacrificed himself and shed his blood for your sin covering, for my sin covering, to pay our penalty, to take our hell on the cross so we wouldn't have to. Now, the term or the phrase laid down is important. The term laid down in Scripture is an act of the will. It is a willful act. Jesus willfully, willfully laid down His life. He willfully laid down on that cross on the ground and allowed them to drive nails through His hands and His feet. He willfully took the crown of thorns. He willfully took the spear in his side. He willfully drank the gall that was given to him on the cross when he said, I thirst. And he did it for you. He willfully did that. He laid down his life, the Bible says. So love, genuine love, biblical love, is always, Tommy, an act of the will. All of us need to love other people. If if you want to see a portrait, if you want to see a painting, a living painting of true love, look at the life of Jesus. Not only did he sacrifice himself for us, but every deed that he did, every word that he spoke while he was here on earth um, pictured love for us. Why, he even loved his own Jewish people Uh, that the Jews themselves said he shouldn't love. He loved those who were not Jewish. He loves you today 
and he loves me. And every single day, God himself, Almighty God, is proving his love for you through his son, Jesus Christ, and the power of his life in us, the Holy Spirit. I really get ill. I've told you that before. Get ill, physically ill, when people call Holy Spirit an it. I heard someone singing this morning on TV, and then they were doing a little brief interview of the person who had sung. And the person spoke and said, Oh my, said the Holy Spirit, began that way, the Holy Spirit was so real then, just like it was today. I don't like that. Holy Spirit is a person. And that person abides, lives in you and in me if we're born again believers. And without the Holy Spirit, there will never be an expression of love. Can't happen. It's God expressing His love through us. Jesus crossed racial lines, did He not? He crossed cultural lines and He crossed geographical barriers just to reach out and care for the people. He was the ultimate expression of biblical love for all of us. And he says to us then, you follow my example. You must love the family. You must love other believers. Now, as I was sitting in several occasions and pondering over this, and I know some of you have already thought of it. You say, but preacher, hey, some people in the church I just can't stand. You laugh, but it's true, isn't it? Hmm? Some, of you, some people come here don't like me. That's okay. I love you. you know? That's all right. But there's always, and isn't it true in churches where you've been and perhaps even here, there's always one or two you say, oh, I just don't like that person. Fact of it is, I just can't stand that person. Well, if you don't like them and you can't stand them, what are you to do? What am I to do? Because... Jesus said, I have to love them. There's your answer. Love them anyway. Can I remind you that Jesus never one time, never said, Coach, you have to like them. He didn't say that. He said, you must love them. And the biblical kind of love that is expressed by the power of the Holy Spirit working in you and me, is what God is saying. He said, love them like I loved you. Love them enough to sacrifice for them if need be. I have a hard time doing that for Dennis. But y'all don't get angry at me for picking on him. I mean, he's easy to pick on. And he picks on me. And all of you know that I pick on you from time to time. If I find out, I can now, some of you get mad if I pick on you, and then you sure don't like me. But understand, uh, God expressing love to us in whatever fashion He did that is the way that He says we must. He commands us to express and love others the way He loved us. That's a command for the believer. We have to love others in the family. If you don't like them, Love them anyway, because you can do that by allowing the Holy Spirit to love them 
through you without having to like everything they do or even some of or part of uh, what they do. Maybe you can relate to this. Sir Winston Churchill, a number of years ago, and I read this uh, somewhere this week in one of the history books. How many of y'all like history? Anybody besides me? I, I absolutely love history. I, I just love it. I always have. And, uh, but Sir Winston Churchill, uh, there was a lady that was a part of his relationships that he just couldn't stand. And uh, that lady was Lady Astor. You've heard of her. Sir Winston Churchill just couldn't stand her, and she likewise didn't care for him either. But one day they were together in the same place at the same time. And Lady Astor, out of her contempt for him, looked at Sir Winston Churchill, and she said to you, to him, said, if I were your wife, I'd put arsenic in your drink. And he looked at her and said, if you were my wife, I'd drink it. (laughs) He was saying to her, I don't like you. I don't like you. I don't like anything about you. But understand, they had to work together. And because of their service together, and his service with other people, the United States of America overcame and won the world war. You understand, you don't have to like them, but God said, you do have to love them. Every single one of them. Love the family. I've told you before, and I want to be as transparent as I can be. Some things about me ain't none of your business. But I want to be as transparent as I can. But I was sitting in there uh, yesterday, and again this morning, while Linda was getting ready, that takes a while. <laughs> while she was getting ready, um, I was sitting in there, and I began, David, the Holy Spirit was working. I, I began to let the Holy Spirit ask me questions. And there's a time when we ought to be quiet. You know that, don't you? Be still and know that I'm God. Let, let the Lord speak to us. So I was letting the Holy Spirit ask me some questions this morning, Diane. And one of those questions was this. The Holy Spirit said, you're a pastor. Yes. He said, what does the world apart from God say about the church you pastor? Do they love each other? Would we all pass the test? You reckon? He asked me, Pastor, do your people really love each other? I ask you a loaded question. Now listen closely so you won't miss it. How many of you are in this room and after you came inside this room, Someone told you they love you this morning. Let's see your hand. That's by far the most of you. Some of you got missed. And some of you got missed because your spouse didn't tell you. And then others were missed because I couldn't get to you. Because if I speak to you inadvertently, I mean, it never fails. If I have just a second, I'll always, before I part from you, tell you I love you. I believe that's a requirement of my God for me. 
to tell you. I try when I can to show you through the deeds I do, but it's also my lot to express my love for you. I even had to tell Dennis that I loved him this morning. Regardless of what you look like, where you came from, and a lot of you came from up north, and the Lord's still forgiving you for that. But wherever you came from, whatever your background, whatever your ethnicity, I still love you. And I do because Christ first loved me. I want to present someday a church to the Lord. The church is where I pastored, not just here. But I want to present a people to the Lord Jesus that I can honestly say, Judy, those people loved each other. Do you understand? If you're a believer, you have to. If you're real, you have to love others. If you don't, that's proof that you're not a believer. You aren't a Christian. So what's your need today? Maybe the Holy Spirit is saying to you today, you don't love others like you should. You don't love others as deeply as you should. You're a Christian, but you don't love the family with a sacrificing, caring kind of commitment in love. And maybe today, and you don't have to speak to me, but maybe today in just a few moments, you just step out from where you're sitting or standing in a moment, walk down here and maybe bow in prayer in the altar or sit in a chair if you can't kneel, whatever, and just tell God, God, I'm sorry. I knew I was supposed to love others, but I didn't realize the strength of the command that you've given me to love others. So today, Lord, will you forgive me for not doing that? Will you help me today to begin loving others that they might draw strength and encouragement from me and from my life by the way I live my life? But then, that's again for the church. If you're in the room today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, would you say yes to Him today?